وبسند المتصل منا إلى الإمام الهمام محمد إسماعيل البخاري رحمه الله قال حدثنا عمر بن خالد قال حدثنا الليث عن يزيد عن أبي الخير عن عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله عنهما أن رجلا سأل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أي الإسلام خير قال تتعم الطعام وتقرأ السلام على من عرفته ومن لم تعرف ونسمان أس نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أي الإسلام خير that which actions of Islam are the best so there are many a'mal of Islam and which uh, activities of Islam, which a'mal, which khisal, which sifat, which attributes, uh, which qualities, which actions of Islam are the best. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he mentioned in this particular hadith, uh, number one, tut'imu ta'am, to feed the poor, or to feed food, and taqra'u salam ala man arafta o man lam ta'arif, and to greet those whom you know, Man arafta, those who you know, woman lam ta'arif, and those whom you do not know. So here we see that the Sahabi radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As radiallahu anhu narrates that a man came. So those that were sabiqoon al-awwaloon min al-muhajirin wal-ansar, those that were near Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, not only would they ask questions, uh, because of their long-standing relationship, but even we see many Bedouins from outside. Those who the names were not even known or recorded, they may not have been considered amongst the illustrious uh, leaders of the Sahaba. They would also have that level of access to Rasulullah They would feel that familiar with Rasulullah that Nabi uh, was so approachable that they would ask him questions. And we, uh, we see this happening a lot. In the, in the hadith literature. In fact, uh, those who were nearer to him, they had more respect for Rasulullah They were more considerate of his time on many occasions that, that they would hesitate to ask him questions. Um, particularly after uh, the hypocrites, the munafiqun, their misbehavior with Rasulullah they were abusing the kind nature of Rasulullah to such an extent it is hard to imagine how heartless these hypocrites were uh, that they knew that Nabi would always give his time whenever he was asked so they started not only asking questions to pester him unnecessarily but on top of it they started requesting for private meetings and saying that ya Rasul, uh, that O Prophet of Allah we have a very very pressing issue and we need your time and we need to have a private meeting with you even though they had absolutely no need for anything they just wanted to waste the time of Rasulullah these were the people living in Medina. Women Ahl al Madinati, Maradu al Nifaq. Amongst the residents of Medina, there are those who are Maradu al Nifaq, very hardcore in their hypocrisy. And Allah Ta'ala says, La ta'alamuhum nahnu na'alamuhum. You may not recognize who they are, but I know who they are. Sanu'adhibuhum marratain. That I will punish them double the adab. So they would come and start taking appointments and this became so out of hand 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then revealed an ayat in Surah Al-Mujadala wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he gave a particular command that يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِذَا نَاجَيْتُمُ الرَّسُولَ فَقَدِّمُوا بَيْنَ يَدَيْ نَجْوَاكُمْ صَدَقَةً The ayah number 12 in Surah Mujadala, Surah 58. That all those who believe, إِذَا نَاجَيْتُمُ الرَّسُولَ When you want to have a private meeting, so munajat is a private meeting, private communication. And when a slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he privately supplicates to Allah and he presents his needs in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the hours of the night, last third of the night or any time for that matter but particularly last third of the night is a very special time for this that is known as munajat or like the book that we have that is very popular munajat maqbool accepted whispers so munajat is a private meeting so ya ayyuhalladhina amanu o those who believe idha najaytumur rasul when you want to have a private audience with nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam when you seek that faqaddimu bayna yadayna najwaakum sadaqa then you must give before you have that meeting a sadaqa not to nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam not his fees but rather you have to give sadaqa to the poor sadaqa by the nature by its nature is what haram upon rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and is haram upon his descendants ila yawm alqiyamah one time the grandson of Rasulullah one of the Hasnain, he was a young child, baby, in the time of Nabi Sallallahu passing away seven and uh, six years old, these young grandchildren. One of them, he picked up a date and he put it in his mouth, and Nabi Sallallahu opened his mouth and took out the date and threw it and said, oh my dear son, that this is haram upon us and our, my, my, my family, ila yawm al-qiyamah, the ma'al of zakat. So this sadaqah is not for Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Before you have the private meeting, ensure you discharge sadaqah. This is better for you, this will purify you. If somebody says, oh, okay, you have to give sadaqah, that's, that's a good thing. But what if somebody is poor, he can't afford to give sadaqah? That means he can never have an opportunity to have a private discussion. What if he really needs to? So that is also taken care of. Because Allah Ta'ala says, فَإِلَّمْ تَجِدُوا If you don't have any money, and you can't afford to give sadaqah, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ Verily Allah is the forgiving, the merciful. So He will not make it binding upon you, if you can't afford it. So, now these hypocrites, who are uh, trying to disturb Rasulullah wasallam, when this ayah came, all of a sudden that put an end to their fitna and they, they said forget this we're not, we'll change, do some new tactic I mean they were committed to disturb Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam but not at the extent of having to have to pay for it so this was for uh, some time and there's a interesting trivia uh, fact, fun fact about this ayah ayah number 12 uh, that ayah number 12 was from Mujadala is that this is an ayah in the Quran where from the entire ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam this standing ayah which is not mansukh or abrogated it's in the Quran it's not mansukh tilawa the tilawa is not abrogated but it's mansukh al-hukum the command is not there anymore because after the purpose was fulfilled and they stopped bothering Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repealed this order and said 
uh, that it is not necessary anymore. That's the next ayah that was revealed, ayah number 13. That you are you is it becoming difficult for you every time you want to have a private meeting you have to give sadaqah then okay Allah has forgiven. So the interesting fact is this is in ayah number twelve that from the entire Ummah of Rasulullah Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu has a unique claim that he can say that no one ever made amal on this ayah except for me. He is the first person and the last person who who actually implemented this command. Because during the short period of time when it was applicable, there was some matter that did come up and Ali did require a private meeting, genuine cause and genuine reason. And he gave sadaqah and he went and had the meeting. After the meeting, then this ayah itself was mansukh. Mansukh al-hukum, meaning the hukum was abrogated, but it's still baqi tilawa, the tilawa remains. So this is an an idea that we get about how kind Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was. And since this is off of, we're having this discussion, where, where is the point where we're going off of, where this word here, Anna Rajulan Sa'ala. Rajulan, a man, Sa'ala asked. So, first of all, who's the man? That's where we said everyone felt approachable. Uh, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was so approachable, everyone felt comfortable in asking him. And that is why the Sahaba they said that Nabi Sallallahu would shower us so much affection, so much love that each one amongst us would feel and would be able to swear from the bottom of his heart that I am the most beloved to him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And when he would uh, face anyone, when he would, pay when he would respond to anyone, he wouldn't just turn his head, uh, okay, what do you have to say? But rather he would face with his whole body to give the full attention. And subhanAllah, when, he w- when people would make musafaha and shake the hands of Rasulullah imagine how many people are rushing to do that. Um, Nabi Wasallam would never remove his hands first. Yani he would be holding the hand of the person and the musafaha and the handshake would extend so long that the person himself would feel perhaps this handshake is getting a bit too long. Then he would remove his hands. But Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would not remove his hands. Now, when we see this, this is something for us to try to implement in our own lives to the best of our ability. But at the same time, sometimes what happens is that when we see other people, or maybe mashayikh even, or ulama, if they are uh, getting mobbed by crowds, and then they say, you know, I, that's it, I said salam the whole crowd, I can't say salam. Then you, you know, we, we cannot start applying this on them and say that, what's wrong with you? You don't follow the sunnah of Rasulullah This is for us to implement to the best of our ability. They may have their own conditions. They may be, uh, I just remembered about getting mauled by the crowds, is that uh, in our Khatm al-Bukhari that we had um, uh, when your daughter graduated and others of Qadi, Fadlullah. <laughs> so he was mentioning that he was going to different Khatm al-Bukhari's in, in Pakistan. And there were thousands and thousands of students and the public in those big madaris there. And they were mobbing him, attacking him from all sides. And literally he had to have a few people around him so he's able to get out of there. And when they were, so he's originally from there but he's been living in California for many, many years. 
So when they were attacking him, he, he, he was literally, his life was in danger because there's so many people who are going to crush him. So he called out to them and he said, what, you know, I said salam to everyone, what do you, what do you want from me? Some people are grabbing his shawl, some people are pulling on him and everything. So then they said, no, 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 we just want the, the barakah. You want the barakah to say salam to you. Then he said, I, cry, I screamed to the whole crowd, I'm coming from cursed area. I don't have any barakah with you. I'm coming from America. I'm coming from California. What barakah I'm bringing? So anyway, so they may have their... <laughs> That's what he said. So anyway, he's trying to... So that's what I'm saying. We have to understand that people may have their... I'm coming from a uh, wretched place. I don't have, I'm not coming from a Mubarak place. I'm coming from L.A. So he, he just said whatever he had to say to try to save his life. So that is also wrong on our part. But this was Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Another thing we see about the Sa'ala is that asking the questions that the Sahaba in the beginning would ask a lot of questions whatever question came up then one occasion what happened is one individual he started asking so many questions that were relevant and he went beyond the relevant questions into irrelevant questions and significantly irrelevant because he went on to ask and ask and then he asked Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that, ya Rasul, uh, that I was I'm interested to know because they of course they were born and then they grew up in Jahiliyyah and they just accepted Islam Keep that in mind. In Jahiliyyah, all different types of things were happening. So he asked Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that, Ya Rasulullah, uh, I wanted to know is that the one who is known to be my father, is he actually my biological father? There's a hadith, Sahih hadith in Kitabun uh, Nikah of the Sahih Bukhari as well that uh, Aisha Siddiqah radiallahu ta'ala explains that the different types of quote unquote Nikah. Nikah is a secret institution, I don't even want to call it nikah, but she used the term nikah, meaning the four types of marriages. She describes the details. So it was, it's very, very sad how um, the situation was and how obscene the condition was in the jahiliyyah, and that's why it's called jahiliyyah. So one of them would be that a woman would just put a flag on her house, and then all the different men would come. And then afterwards, when, if she would deliver a baby, then she would call all of them. And part of the arrangement was that uh, she would look at them and whoever she selected and would say that I assign you uh, that you are the parent then it would not be permitted for him to deny the paternity he would have to just accept it and all kinds of different jahili practices because of that was the environment or they would call a, a person who would be an expert in from their perspective they considered him an expert in finding the signs uh, between it's called Qiyafa. It was a whole science of Qiyafa to look at the baby and look at the man and try to determine who potentially is the father. So this was the Ajib culture that was going on. So in that background, that culture, he asked, is my father actually my biological father? So Nabi Wasallam got so upset about all these questions because whatever happened in the past, just forget about it. It's over. Allah has covered it and we do not need to expose the sins of potentially of the mother or anyone else involved. This is one of the things we learn in our deen, that you know, we, sh we should not expose others, nor expose our own sins. Like in the, in the Catholic faith, the sinner, he goes and he confesses to the priest, right? It's to get his sins forgiven. He has to confess his sins, not to God only, but also to the priest first. Whereas in our deen, we do not confess our sins to anyone. 
This is called mujahir with a raw at the end. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, anyone, all the sinners, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala will have the door of Tawbah open, open for them and will accept their repentance. Illa mujahir, not mujahid, mujahir with a raw. So the Sahaba said, who's a mujahir? From the word jahrun, which means to be loud. Like we have the jahari prayer and we have the siri prayer. Jahar is the loud one, except for the mujahir. So who's a mujahir? Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, mujahir is the one that he commits the sin and he can, doesn't rest uh, with the fact that he committed it and he is not relaxed until he himself goes and he exposes himself and he tells the whole world about his sin. So this is something which is becoming more and more prevalent. How so? It's because um, we are not regarding it to be a sin and then we post these sins on social media. So. Uh, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or all of these different things, different sins where, for example, people are going out on dates, men, women, unmarried, whatever the case is, maybe, and then they post a picture. So this is a mujahir now, the one who is publicizing his own sin. So there are less chances of tawbah for such an individual or less chances that individual will be blessed with the tawfiq to make tawbah. May Allah protect us. So he asked this question. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi got so upset. Um, he stood up and he said that, okay, I'm standing here today and I will go on, ask any and every question you want, continue asking, 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 and I will not stop, I will not move from this position until I answer every single question that you have. Right? So, um, you know, if you take it literally, it means, okay, and ask any question, I'll answer it. But you, that's why we have to understand what is the tone. A lot of people nowadays, you know, the new generation, they miss out on um, the intent of the elder when sometimes they speak. Uh, so if the elder is just, you know, if the teacher he says, okay, you're kicked out of the class, he said, oh, I'll go in and just enjoy, you know, my break and have um, additional recess time. He's supposed to come back and feel sorry, right? Sometimes we don't understand that. <laughs> no, he just gave me a break. He said, you can leave. Why he told you to leave, right? So you're missing the whole point. Uh, if the father gets upset and says, go away, just don't come back. You're supposed to just go away and leave, or you're supposed to go back and seek forgiveness. If he says that, don't enter my room, you're supposed to wait by the door of the room and say, please forgive me until he says, okay, come inside. If he says, just leave, you don't just leave, you still continue to ask for forgiveness. So over here, when Nabi Sallallahu said, go ahead, ask whatever you want, I don't care, I'm going to answer. Then afterwards, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala revealed this ayah. That, ya This is Surah Ma'idah, ayah, Surah number 5. Ayah number 101. Don't ask all these types of questions. In tubdalakum, that when the answer will be given, and the answer, budu means it will become apparent. What you're asking when it is going to be made apparent, tasu'kum, then you're not going to be pleased with the answer. It's going to hurt you. When you hear the answer, you're, going to, you're not going to be happy with, with what you have to hear. وَإِن تَسْأَلُوا عَنْهَا حِينَ يُنَزَّلُ الْقُرْآنِ and if you're going to continue asking such questions during the period of revelation, because the wahi is coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why is this tied up with revelation? It's because we know that Nabi sallallahu did not have a crystal ball where he had all the answers and he could see everything. Rather, whatever answers he is given, it is because he is receiving revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the key. So, uh, that is the difference between ilmul ghayb and nabu'ul ghayb. 
Nabi Sallallahu did not have ilmul ghaib Ilmul ghaib means to have complete full knowledge of all the unseen Past, present and future is in front of him Every hidden thing is apparent to him That's called ilmul ghaib Nabul ghaib means that Nabi Sallallahu was given specific knowledge of things of the unseen From Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala Allah Ta'ala uh, revealed that to him And based on that revelation he would give us that information so that information can relate to far off incidents of the past and far off incidents of the future prophecies of the future so that's nabul ghaib allah ta'ala says in the quran qul la a'lamul ghaib cannot be more clear than that say i do not have the full knowledge of the unseen so nabi allah ta'ala says wa in tas'alu anha if you're asking such questions hina yunazzalu quran when the quran is being revealed meaning he nabi sallallahu has this a line, direct line to me, and I will inform him. And Allah, of course, is He Alimul Ghaib? He's yeah, Alamul Ghaib. He's Alimul Ghaib wa Shahada. Tubdalakum. It'll become apparent. The answer will be given by Allah. Afallahu anha wallahu afurun halim. It's okay now that you have asked, you didn't know how that you were hurting Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah has forgiven it. He is the forgiving, the clement Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. People in the past, they continued asking, asking, to the point that they ended up becoming kafir. So that is another ayah about questioning. So when this ayah was revealed, then the sahaba, they, uh, they became very scared. They became very scared and they stopped asking questions. Completely, nobody was asking questions. So irrelevant questions they stopped asking, and relevant questions they stopped asking, and genuine questions, and emergencies questions also they stopped. Nobody asked, because they got so scared. Don't ask such questions. So this happened for some period of time. Nobody's asking any question. Now, now you're going to the other extreme. So they were so scared, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted uh, them to break the ice to start asking questions once again. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He sent a questioner. Right? This is the famous hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. During the, this is the period of time when this incident occurred, the following incident, when nobody's asking questions. He says, is, um, we were sitting with Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but we're just listening, we're not asking. <laughs> then what happened? When a man suddenly appeared, he had the whitest of white clothes, and Shadidu Sawadi Sha'ar, the blackest of black hair. La Yura Ali Athro Safar, no sign of journey apparent upon him. And none of us know who he is. Hatta Jalasayla Nabi Sallallahu he came, jumped over everyone's back, came right in the front. So he came in such a entrance, he made that it was imprinted on everyone's mind. He caught everyone's attention because that was the objective. And he came and he brought his knees up to the knees of Nabi And he placed his hands on his thighs Just like we sit in the tashahud position So this is where the sunnah of sitting in the tashahud position as a student comes from And then he asked the questions Mal Islam, what is Islam? Mal Ihsan, right? Mal Iman, Mal Islam, Mal Ihsan What is the day of judgment? When is it? All the signs So who was this questioner? It was Jibreel who came to teach you your deen. So we covered this hadith before in detail. But this was when uh, this came. So now it opened the door for the Sahaba to ask questions once again. Now we also hear, we see from the Sahaba that they said that we used to actually look forward to the Arab and the Bedouins. 
and the reason we used to look forward for the Arab is because we had some idea about the etiquette and adab of Rasulullah And when the Arab and Bedouins would come in, they did not have that. They did not have understanding. So they would ask strange questions, they would act in a strange behavior, and it would become what? An opportunity for us to, it would be a learning opportunity, an opportunity for us to get educated. How do you respond to such and such scenario? So you have the random Arabi Bedouin coming in and, you know, urinating in the masjid. So that was not a resident of Medina. That wasn't an Ansari or Muhajir urinating, right? That was an outside individual. So when they went to stop him, Nabi Sallallahu said, no, let him finish. And then throw the buckets of water. There were no carpets or rugs. It was the sand. So the urine, where did it go? Down into the earth. Down into the bowels of the earth. <laughs> it didn't, there was, uh, it was not spoiling anything. So you just have to throw some buckets of water on top and the water would take it further down. So that was the action of the, of the, of the, of the, of the, uh, of the outsider. We cannot use that as a dalil, right? For ourselves as Muslims, we say, oh, you know, uh, if your child's diaper is leaking, it's okay. The Bedouin urinated in the masjid. So what's the problem if my baby's diaper is leaking? No, you have to take care of it. We cannot take that the lead from that. And uh, it's important to note that, you know, uh, if you use the term double standard, it gives a negative connotation. So rather than using the word double standard, I would like to use the term higher standard. That as Muslims, or depending uh, if you are a regular attendee, or if you are a student of knowledge, enrolled in the madrasa, right, we can hold you to a higher standard. Versus, for example, if you have an interfaith event and a non-Muslim comes. So there are different standards. And sometimes, for example, if those who are like at the highest level, who are being treated at that level, or being held responsible at that level, they may recoil and say, that, or rebel and say that, you know, you have double standards. You are so strict with us, students at the madrasa, and then with outsiders, you're just smiling and this and that. You know, if I came with, uh, if I was wearing, you know, as a male, jewelry or chains or something of that nature, you would say, you cannot sit in class, take that off. But with the other young man, I saw you, you know, Mufti, Ustad, Imam, you were talking with them nicely and smiling in the lobby. So. Why is it just haram for me? Why are you so strict with us and not strict with others? It is because at whatever level Allah has placed you, if you're a student of knowledge, if you're a regular musalli, if you're an attendee in the durus, then you had the opportunity to, to learn these things. So that's why we have to hold you to a higher standard. And those who are, who are not, they, then we're trying to bring them closer. We don't want to chase them away. One example of this we find in uh, Umar bin Khattab, uh, he clearly mentioned this when he was sitting in a khutbah and uh, there were uh, uh, two individuals who were speaking when the khutbah was going on. So afterwards uh, he picked up some pebbles. Again, there were no, there was no carpet. There was pebbles. And sometimes it would, it would be very sharp as well. And Abu Dhar anhu, he asked Nabi Wasallam that, Ya Rasulullah, these Pebbles in the sand are so sharp, it pricks my forehead when I make sajda. So Nabi Wasallam gave him permission. Marratan ya abadhar wa illa fadhar. One time, Abu Dhar, you have the relaxation that you can, with your palm of your hand, smooth the pebbles once. Marratan ya abadhar wa illa fadhar. Beyond that, if there's still, you couldn't smooth everything out, you have to leave it. Let it pinch your forehead in your sajda. 
But you have the permission, rukhsa for smoothing it out once. Anyway, so Umar anhu, he picked up some pebbles from the sand and then he f- uh, f- flung it at them. He threw it at those guys. So then they got hit with the pebble. They turned back like, who, who, sh- who shoot that at us? Who threw that? And then they saw it was Umar anhu. Then he said, come here. <laughs> That's how he got their attention. And when they came, he said, Min aina antuma, where are you from? So they said, Nahnu min thaqif. We are from the Banu Thaqif tribe. The Banu Thaqif tribe was residents of Ta'if. Like Aus and Khazraj were from Medina and Quraysh are from Makkah. So likewise, the Thaqif, they lived in Ta'if. So they are visitors from Ta'if. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Umar radiallahu anhu said, Law kuntuma min ahlil balad, al-balad, ta'lif lam. He said, Law kuntuma min ahlil balad, la'awja'atukuma. He said, if both of you were residents of the city, specific city, referring to Al-Madinah. If both of you were residents of Madinah, then I would have, literally means I would have inflicted pain upon you. Waj'un means pain. Awja'ayujir means to inflict pain. But because you are from outside, you did not have the opportunity to learn the etiquettes. You don't know the adab. So now you know. What do you know? That in the khutbah, it is impermissible to talk. In fact, when the Imam starts the khutbah, nor is there any time for prayer or to speak. Whoever tells his brother, what did he tell his brother? Not some story. Rather, he tells his brother, be quiet. Whoever tells his brother, be quiet, the khutbah is going on. He has committed a sin. Right? And in Kanzu Daqaiq, our fiqh book is written, qareeb. And the one who is sitting so far away that he can't even hear a word of the khutbah. Because you have, you know, when you go see the architectural wonders of the masajid of the past, yes, there's the acoustic system of the mihrab and the dome to, for the sound to echo and all of that. But at the same time, if you have 100,000 people praying Eid, do you, how, would the, how would they hear in the back? So that's what, they cannot even hear a single word. And you get to a certain distance. Uh, yet the fuqah have mentioned that uh, the wujub of insat, the obligation of silence extends to those who can hear and those who cannot hear. They can't even hear a single word, yet it's obligatory upon them to remain silent during the khutbah. So now the, the sahaba, that's why they, they like the Bedouins to come and ask random questions. They would ask questions that um, like... Ten times or more, several times in the Quran has already been explained. They ask you regarding the Day of Judgment. When is it coming? Allah only knows. Allah only knows. I have hidden the time when the Day of Judgment is going to come. So if you are an Ansari or Mahajir, you're there, you read the Quran, you know the Quran, you listen to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam reciting the Quran, you know this. But then a Bedouin will come in and say, when is the day of judgment? Why is he asking this? Because he doesn't know the Quran. So, but the Sahaba get an opportunity to learn. What does Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say? Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked him back, What have you prepared for that day? You are boldly asking me, When is the day of judgment? I want to ask you, What have you prepared for that day? Now, he was an Arabi, right? Bedouin. Now, one of the sifat of the Bedouin is that aqalluhum takallufan. They had least formalities. So, very, very genuine, very sincere. Uh, they are not 
double face or triple face, multiple faces nowadays, right? So <laughs> it's not that they're hiding something inside and saying something else. Your actions and your statements are all in accordance. Your inside and your outside is in accordance. In the same. So he, he said, Ya Rasulullah, you said, what have you prepared? So he said, I have not prepared by having a lot of nafal sadaqa in a nafal fast. But I can safely declare that I love Allah and His Rasul. Meaning, I'm not confident in my nafal sadaqa or nafal fast, but I'm confident that I love Allah and His Rasul. Right? I love Allah and His Rasul and I'm confident to declare that. So the Nabi Sallallahu told him, Al-Mar'u ma'aman ahabba. A man will be raised with whom he loves. Now Anas ibn Malik, incidentally, is the narrator of this hadith. And Anas ibn Malik didn't ask such a question, but he got an opportunity to hear such a beautiful answer. And Anas ibn Malik is always with Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Because when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam made hijrah and came to Madinatul Munawwara, his father passed away, his mother was there, Umm Sulaim. His stepfather was Abu Talha His mother, Umm Sulaim, brought him. He was 10 year old. He was 10 year old boy. And she said, Ya Rasulullah, it would be the greatest honor for us if you would accept him to be your personal khadim. So he became the khadim of Nabi Wasallam, But he was not given opportunity for one or two years. How long he made in the khidmah? Full 10 years. All the way till the time Nabi Wasallam left this world. And he would be so closely attached, running errands and chores from home for the wives of Nabi Wasallam that when the outside people would come, they all thought he is a member of the family. They thought he was one of the children or stepchildren of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, whereas he is from the Ansar. So he served Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam 10 years. And he's with him in the journeys and with him at home. Considering the amount of exposure he had, it makes the following statement of Anas even more significant, where he says that after he heard this exchange between the outside Bedouin's question and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's answer, and the final thing Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, again, what did he say? Al-Maru. A man will be raised in the company of those whom he loves. So Anas bin Malik said, No statement of Nabi ever granted us so much happiness as we were, uh, as it filled our hearts with joy, the statement that a man will be raised with whom he loves. The reason is because as true believers, they always doubted there actions. But if there was one thing they were confident of is the fact that they loved Allah and His Rasul. And now they got that beautiful bashara and glad tiding that a man will be raised with whom he loves. So inshallah we can have hope that we will be with Rasulullah That was their ultimate goal. When they were asked, Nabi Wasallam asked like on different occasions once Abi made Nabi Wasallam so happy Nabi Wasallam said, Sal, ask, ask whatever you want, ask whatever you want. Like, ask anything in this world in the akhirah you want, I'll ask, uh, uh, not that I can grant it, I'll get it from Allah for you. Now he had a blank check. It's like somebody gives you a check and says, blank check. Put whatever you want. So, but he's going to be limited by his finances, right? Over here is no limit. Because he, this is, not because he's Muhammad bin Abdullah, but because he's Rasulullah. Muhammad bin Abdullah is the best of the creation, of the khalq, but he's from the creation. But his connection is with the creator. So, min haythu anna Rasulullah, as the Messenger of Allah, he asked the Sahabi, ask whatever you want. So, what did he say? Murafaqataka fil jannah. I seek your companionship in jannah. That's the ultimate pinnacle. To be with you in jannah. Not just to get jannah, 
to be with you. So he said, Inshallah, that is confirmed. But help me out in achieving that as well by by many such thus, inshallah. But you will give that. So the Bedouins, they would come, they would ask, and the Sahaba would learn. There's so many different examples of this, but I think we have spent enough time on that. So then he comes in. You know, uh, one thing, uh, some of the hadith you come, they would say, Man minkum Muhammad. Who amongst you is Muhammad? So that tells us that uh, initially Nabi Wasallam would sit just in the middle of a circle, uh, in a circle. And they're sitting in a halaqa, not in the middle of the circle, <laughs> but part of the circle. And he's, uh, he, uh, he's part of the circumference of the circle. Right? He's on the corner and the edge with everyone else. And this kept on happening. People are so confused. So then they asked Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, no, you come sit in the front, in the member, so that all the people who are coming in, at least they can know who you are. Allah. This is how humble our beloved Rasulullah, our master was. So he came and he asked, Ayyul Islam Khair, which action of Islam is the best? Now, uh, why is he asking this question? Because he wants to practice. So sometimes people, they ask questions just because they have ulterior objectives. Ulterior objectives include the fact that you want to um, for example, test the knowledge of the one you're asking. So, or you want to put that person, you want to degrade the individual. Or you want to degrade some other individual who is in the, who is in the gathering. So, for example, if I was visiting one place and somebody in a public gathering asked a question that, it's a very specific question with so much detail that it's obviously referring to an individual. That, Okay, Mufti Sahib, you are here, scholar, visiting scholar. I want to ask you the ruling of is it permissible to be a board member of a masjid while uh, owning subways that sell ham, (laughs) for example, or a gas station that has pork skins? What is the hukum and ruling of uh, being a board member while you have a haram business? Like a very, very specific question. So what are they doing? So obvious, right? They're calling someone out. Are you... Are you the board member? <laughs> no, 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 I'm not me, I'm not a board member, I'm not even a member at large, I'm just a, you know, a random, humble, super humble, genuine, sincere musalli. But I'm asking about, uh, what's, what's the ruling about being a, so what, what is this? This is called trying to degrade somebody else. Or sometimes people ask questions, uh, if they want to, as I said, put down the one being asked, or they want to promote themselves also. So it could be about promotion, like um, the question is so long, it has so many different parts and it refers to so many different books and so many different studies and uh, I stayed in the suhaba of Mufti so-and-so and Mufti so-and-so and I heard this dars and I read so many different books on this particular topic and can you please reconcile the text from you know, Fatul Bari, uh, commentary of Sahih Bukhari, Ibn Hajar Asqalani has written this whereas um, you know, Badruddin Aini in his uh, Amdatul Qari, the Shah of Sayyid Bukhari, he has written this, and Kirmani has written that, and Irshad Usari. These are all different commentaries of Sayyid Bukhari. So you mentioned like six different names of different authors in school. So how, how do we uh, interpret all of the above? <laughs> so what you, you're just trying to show off your own knowledge, Na'azubillah. So what, is the, what should the intention be? The intention should be, number one, for one's own amal. Like in this case, this genuine Sahabi who came, he came with the intention to practice. He's not asking to testing anyone, to downgrade anyone, to promote anyone, but rather for his own practice. 
if it is with that intention, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, As-su'alu nisful ilm. The question is half of knowledge. And what's the other half? The job. Right? The answer obviously is going to be the other half. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Innama shifa'ul a'i as-su'al. Verily, the cure to ignorance is to ask. If it is done with, in, with sincerity. And uh, in fact, by not asking and reaching the wrong uh, r- conclusion on your own, it can be disastrous as happened in the life of Rasulullah in one campaign when one Sahabi was completely overcome with wounds in the battle and he had to take a ghusl and instead of finding out the ruling of tayammum uh, he ended up doing ghusl or he asked somebody who did not have knowledge and he said no no you got to take the ghusl and he ended up not only getting much sicker what happened? he died right? he literally died and Nabi Wasallam, when he was given to him the report he got so upset he said qataluhu qatalahumullah you know you have killed him you should ask. Ya what is the ayah? Fasalu in kuntum Ask those who have knowledge or those of remembrance if you do not know. But it's important who we ask as well. Muhammad ibn Siri is known for interpretation of dreams, but his knowledge is not limited to interpretation of dreams. That's one of the side subjects for him, but he was the imam of that. He was a tabi'i, muhaddis, scholar from Basra, and a narrator of hadith of highest caliber. And his hadith are narrated in Bukhari and Muslim. And he was a tabi'i, second generation. So his statement is mentioned in the Muqaddama of Sahih Muslim. In the, and he said, it's important to note that he's a tabi'i. And Muhammad bin Siri, as a tabi'i, what is a tabi'i? We know, right? Tabi'i is the second generation. The first generation is Sahaba, who saw Rasulullah. What's the definition of Sahabi? Somebody who's seen Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Right. Had Iman and died in the state of Iman. It's important that they die in the state of Iman because they are hypocrites as well or hypocrites never have Iman, they portray Iman but they are those who accepted Islam and died without Iman so they would not be a Sahabi and just seeing Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam doesn't make a Sahabi as Abu Jahl saw Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam so when he saw Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, believed in him had Iman and died with Iman what counts is the ending so and then the second generation Tabi'een who followed them and the third is Tabu Tabi'een. So these three generations together are known as Al-Quruna Thalatha Al-Mashhud Laha Bil Khair. The three generations concerning which Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has testified that they are on Khair, goodness. By and large, generally Khair. Of course there are Shar people there too. So, and that is the famous hadith that we hear in the Jum'ah Khutbah many times in the second one. Khairul Quruni Qarni. The best of all ages is my age. Then those who come next, then those who come next. Sahaba, Tabi'un, Tabi'un. So being a Tabi'i in, in one of the best ages of all time, in Muhammad ibn Sidi, Rahmatullah says that knowledge is your deen. Muhammad ibn Sidi, quoted by Imam Muslim, Ibn Hajjaj, and Naysapuri. Right in his muqaddama of Sahih al-Muslim, he says, "Al-ilmu dinun, ilm knowledge is your din. Al-ilmu dinun, knowledge is your din. Fanduru amman ta'khuduna dinakum. So be very careful from whom you acquire your din. So who you're, who you're asking? Habibun Labibun. Have you covered that before? Habibun Labib. Do you remember? Right. He has to have two sifat. Okay, so then Allah Ta'ala said, فَسَأَلُوا أَهْلَ ذِكْرِ إِنْ كُتُونَ تَعْلَمُ He asked, أَيُّ الْإِسْلَامِ خَيْرِ Which Islam is the best? So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, تُتْعِمُ الْتَعَامُ To feed the food. Now his intention is to make amal. 
And this first word, Tut'imu Ta'am, Rasulullah kept it general. Meaning, um, whether it's a friend, whether it's a relative, whether it's someone near, whether it's someone far, whether it's someone you know, you don't know, whether it's Muslim or Kafir. In fact, Nabi said, Afdal of Sadaqah, the best form of Sadaqah, and Tushbi'ah, that you give food and Kabidan Jaya to the hungry stomach. So the person who is hungry, that is the qualification. Not necessarily yani feeding righteous people, or feeding scholars, or feeding uh, da'is, or feeding parents, or feeding elders, or people you want to honor. That's great. There's an additional reward for honoring those that deserve to be honored, that we are encouraged to honor, for the sake of Allah. But those who are hungry, feeding them has a specific own virtue. And at this point, we don't look how righteous they are or not righteous they are. Do they pray tahajjud or don't pray tahajjud? How much ilm they have or don't have? You're feeding them because they are? Frankly, because they are hungry. They are most deserving. They are in need of the food. And that has been termed as afdal al-sadaqah, the best form of sadaqah, to feed the hungry ones. Um, and another thing the scholars mention here that this is aam, is general. It doesn't mention how much. So this is not only if you can afford it. And you can afford to give a full meal and... Um, extravagant meal, whatever you have, ma hadar, whatever is present to feed from that. Nabi specifically uh, highlighted this and he said that both from the giving perspective and from the receiving side, we should never make tahqir and look down, even if it may be the little amount of meat or if anything on the hooves of the goat. So not the, the, the leg of the upper portion where there's a lot of meat, but just on the hooves, where there's hardly anything there, if that is given to you, or if you want to give someone else. On both ends, we should not make tahqir of it, look down upon it, and oh, we cannot give this. So this is, uh, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam specifically mentioned the female in this particular hadith, that you should not make tahqir jaratahu, of your female jara, your neighbor, if she gives you. Meaning, um, women sometimes have this fear that, you know, how would it look? This is not something worth giving, not worth something sharing. This is so, uh, um, this is not fancy enough, or this is not, um, you know, something significant enough. It has to be something better. No, whatever you have, it's the thought that counts. That's what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is uh, indicating. And, and we see that in the, in the example of the Quranic ayat of Ibrahim Alayhi Salam. When the guests came to him, he thought, that, of course, they were human beings, but they ended up being angels. Do you know the story? Allah Ta'ala asked a question about the guest that came to visit Ibrahim salam. They came and they said, Salama. He said, he also replied with Salam. You are new, strange people. So this is the key word. He ran to his family to see whatever they, they had. He ran to his family see what can we present to the Yes. In another hadith. So quickly they slaughtered a ijl. Ijl is a calf, baby cow. And they roasted it and brought it. Fakarrabahu ilayhim. He presented it to them. He said, Are you not going to eat? Because they did not extend their hands towards it, they weren't eating. Then he started feeling apprehensive, started feeling afraid. Why was he feeling afraid? 
it's because the people at that time were so honorable that if somebody came to hurt you, then they wouldn't eat your food. Because as is known in Urdu, like, Namak harami, right? <laughs> so you eat, yeah, <laughs> you eat somebody's food, right? you eat the food that they gave you, and then you go back and you hurt them. That would not be, even uh, enemies would not behave like that. So if they said, no, 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 first of all, they're strangers. He doesn't know where they came from. And then on top of that, he's, they're not eating the food. So then he uh, he said, he got afraid. Oh, maybe they have some plot to hurt me. They said, don't be afraid. We are angels sent by Allah Ta'ala. Actually, we're going to Lut to bring the destruction on them. But we start via you, the uncle. Lut was his nephew, his manja, his sister's son. We came to stop you to, on the way to give you glad tidings. To give you the glad tidings, you will have a, a son. Um, so anyway, that was the, the example of feeding the food. Now feeding food, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam emphasized this so many times in so many different hadiths. This is the first thing he mentioned here. And we'll continue and pick up in case you're wondering how long it's going. The taqra salam next time. The, some etiquettes of salam. We'll talk about salam, inshaAllah, bismillah, in the next session. But this tuti'imu ta'am, feeding the food, was so emphasized by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi such a practice that... Um, Believe it or not, there were certain Sahaba. This is the, the reason this uh, came in my mind is because of Ibrahim salam. It's known about Ibrahim salam. What he would never eat without a guest. He would always go and find guests. So in and the Ansar as well, they would never. Some of them, the Banu Salama tribe in particular, they would never ever ever eat alone. They would always try to find a guest. So most of the time, it wouldn't be hard to find a guest. Uh, but there were certain occasions where they would be searching, searching, and they couldn't find any guest. So they made it haram upon themselves to eat and then they would not eat and they would miss their meal they would potentially miss several meals they're not eating because they cannot find guests the situation became so dire that an ayah of the Quran had to be revealed which till today we recite in the Quran right in Surah An-Nur and the ayah literally is saying la junaha alaykum there's no sin upon you and ta'kulu jami'an aw ashtatan you have both options you can eat together you can eat individually. So the purpose of the ayah is to indicate in clear terms that it is not a sin to eat by yourself. It's not a sin to eat by yourself. Like why in the world you have to tell us? Like that's a no-brainer, it's obvious. No, it's not a no-brainer because they were literally considering it haram. So Allah Ta'ala had to reveal the ayah, bhai, it is permissible, you can eat by yourself. I, we are saying each other, bhai, we are all of slaves of Allah Ta'ala. Right. So uh, Allah Ta'ala is saying that uh, to us, O oh my, oh my slave, it is permissible for you to eat by yourself. So this is, this is what we have to uh, uh, understand. Like uh, when we read an ayah and the meaning, we should think of that, you know, what is the cause of the relation of this? Why? What type of behavior they must have been exhibiting and at what extent it must have re- reached such that Allah had to reveal this ayah. Like these Bedouins, how much they may have been uh, tormenting Nabi Sallallahu that Allah had to intervene and reveal the ayat, Ya ayyuhalladhina amunu la tuqaddimu bayna yadillahi wa rasulihi wa taqullahi inallahu sami'un alim. Ya ayyuhalladhina amunu la tarfa'u aswatakum fa qasawatin nabi. I quote the ayat from Surah Hajrat many, many times, right? Everyone knows the story, Surah Hajrat. So, uh, because if Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam 
just went into his home and when they came he could have said wait it's okay I'm busy but because Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is so kind he's not responding Allah had to reveal the ayat on his behalf so likewise over here so this was the sifat it is mentioned the narration uh, the primary source I uh, cannot recall but the secondary source the hats of Sahaba of here Yusuf Kandalvi uh, he mentions there that after you know, when you're talking about primary and secondary sources, like this Bukhari, Muslim, Tirmidhi, these are primary sources. Because from the compiler to Rasulullah, there is a direct sanad for each hadith. Hayatul Sahaba, for example, is not a primary source. Because Shaykh Yusuf Khandali, he will take a hadith from other books and compile it together. Those respective works have their own sanads. So, from an academic perspective, you're not supposed to quote a secondary source. You're supposed to quote the primary source, right? That's why I identified, I said, I do not recall the primary but this is a secondary source so Hadith al-Sahaba is mentioned that uh, um, because Mala Yusuf al-Khandari doesn't have his, his individual sanat to Rasulullah he's quoting from the other books so he will bring the hadith from different works where he mentioned there about the Ansar and uh, in particular Sa'ad bin Ubadah Sa'ad bin Ubadah and Sa'ad bin Mu'adh the two Sa'ads because there are two tribes of the Ansar Aus and Khazraj so the leader of the Khazraj was Sa'ad and the leader of the Aus was Sa'ad. Right. They were both were Sa'ad. Uh, Sa'ad bin Ubadah was Sayyid al-Khazraj. And Sa'ad bin Mu'adh was Sayyid of Aus. The leader of the Aus tribe, leader of the Khazraj tribe. So the leaders of the Ansar both were Sa'ad. Radiallahu ta'ala anhumah. So Sa'ad bin Ubadah, he mentions that after Isha. We prayed Isha, right? Alhamdulillah. Now we're going home. So who, who are we going home with? I'm going with me, myself, and I. <laughs> so Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu, after Isha, when he would go home, Kana Yarajiru, I remember the words because it stuck in my mind when I read it years ago. Kana Yarajiru bi Ashad Ahyanan bi Ishirin, Ahyanan Salatin, Ahyanan Arbain, Ahyanan Khamsin, Sitin, Sabin, Thamanin. Sometimes after Isha he would go home with twenty guests, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety guests. <laughs> He's taking them home after Isha. Because any new face you would see, you would say? You're, you're, you're having dinner at my home. Any new face you would see, you're. So, now why are you saying new faces? Because Medina was a Makkah. <laughs> no. Medina was where all the people are coming. Why are they coming there? To visit Rasulullah, to have private sessions. <laughs> so, so they're, they're, they were coming from all over to Medina, to Munawara. And whenever they're coming, when the Muhajirun came, the economy was halved. They gave half to the Muhajirun. Then after that, whenever the tribes are coming, it didn't end with the Muhajirun. Ansar were not Ansar only from Muhajirun. They were Ansar till the end. So whoever is coming, they're feeding them, feeding them, feeding them. And the people, there were no hotels, right? There were no hotels. That's why it's actually before they have all the hotels and everything, it was wajib uh, when a guest would come that to um, host him for three days. It's actually wajib. And after that, you know, it's, it's sunnah, nafal, you can. But he has a right. Because there are no hotels, where is he going to sleep, right? So, subhanAllah, this was the, the, the culture. This is how many people that would be taking. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to open our hearts, open our homes, and to be generous. And to be able to uh, fulfill this sunnah. And in this particular list of a'mal, the first one that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentions to feed food. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us among those who feed others. Let's make a brief dua, inshallah.
وجعل دفروقنا بعده دفروقا معصوما ولا تدعفينا ولا منا ولا معنا شقين ولا محروما والله grant us the beautiful sifat of the sahaba رضي الله عنهم جمعين والله make us among those who correct our intentions and ask to seek knowledge and to implement that in our lives يا رب العالمين والله 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 make us among those who feed others for your sake يا رب العالمين والله والله Oh Allah, oh Allah, grant us all the sifat of Islam and Iman, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Oh Allah, oh Allah, make us among those who sincerely seek the knowledge of deen to practice and implement in our lives and to spread this to others, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Alhamdulillah.